You are Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to another episode of Locked On Ravens. I am your host, Kevin Ostriker of Ravens Wire. And as we get ready here for another week of episodes, it's an exciting one. Free agency is now just over a week away. It is on Wednesday, March 18th. So a lot to look forward to. And as this week develops, as next week develops, we're going to start to get a clearer picture of how the Ravens are going to operate, how the Ravens might use their cap space, might use their draft capital, and free agency in the draft, they really go hand in hand. I mean, if the Ravens go out and sign Jadavia and Clowney or keep Matthew Judon, that is one less edge rusher that they need to go out and draft. So the Ravens might not use their first-round pick on an edge rusher. They might go inside linebacker. They might go wide receiver, interior offensive lineman, interior defensive lineman. So this week, next week, it's going to be big for the Ravens. And I think that, again, in Eric DaCosta, we believe, or in EDC, we believe, is the saying I want to kind of get trending. But it is Monday today, so you know what that means. And Yesterday was Mock Draft Sunday. I posted another Mock Draft. And for all the listeners here at Locked on Ravens, everybody knows that I try to make it different for the show, for the Mock Draft, to, just to get some different prospects out and onto people's radars so every week I do a different prospect in the first round now rounds two through seven are for the Ravens two through five because the mock draft site still does not have the Ravens getting that seventh round pick from the New York Jets those rounds I'll pick anybody but in the first round I want to make it so a different guy gets selected every week so we can kind of go through talk about different prospects because the draft is so unpredictable it's so unpredictable while Mac drafts are fun, this early they can be a little far-fetched, I'll use, because we just don't know how free agency is going to shake out. We don't know if the Ravens are going to trade up, if they're going to trade down, if teams are going to trade in front of the Ravens. So a lot is to be determined. But just in case that prospect falls or just in case the Ravens reach in the first round to get a guy that not a lot of people have heard of, I want to make each week a different first-round prospect so that we can analyze and understand different prospects. So with all that being said, we're going to talk about my mock draft that I did for Mock Draft Sunday yesterday. A new first-round prospect will go through rounds one through three in the second segment and rounds four through seven or for the Ravens four through five in the third segment. But for the first segment, we're going to go through to another mock draft from the Draft Network. Carter Donick has a mock draft that he put out on March 6th. So it's actually three rounds. So we're going to go through his three-round draft for Baltimore. And this is a full 32 team, but obviously this is a Ravens podcast. So with all that being said, let's jump right into it, starting with pick 28 of Carter's mock draft. But before we do that, of course, be sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Subscribe to us so you know when our content comes out Monday through Friday at 6 a.m. Eastern Time. Also, be sure to follow us on Twitter at LockedOnRavens and my personal account at KOshriker34. Every mock draft Sunday, that's where my mock draft goes and that's what I talk about on my Monday shows. So with all that being said, let's jump right into it. Pick 28 for Baltimore of Carter's mock draft and he picks Zach Bond, the edge rusher from Wisconsin. And his little blurb is a versatile rusher who can fill a multitude of defensive roles. Bond is a polished prospect with great athletic and production profiles. He won't wow with insane bend or power, but his high football IQ is something the Ravens generally value really highly out of their draft picks. And 
he's right. Zach Bond is a very intriguing prospect. He did four years at Wisconsin after being redshirted as a freshman. And 2019 was his breakout season. Only two and a half sacks in his first two years. But in 2019 for the Badgers had 12 and a half sacks, 19 and a half tackles for loss. He had one interception, a really do-it-all type of player. Now for Bond, my only issue is I don't know if he's an end-of-the-first-round prospect or an early-second-round prospect. Now, the Ravens, if they think the talent is there and they want to trade back and select Zach Bond, yeah, sure, I'm all for it. They can pick up some extra draft capital. Bond has proven that he can do it at the highest level. Now, it was only one year of production. That's where I'm kind of like, okay, is it going to be the two-and-a-half sack Zach Bond or is it going to be the 12 and a half sack Zach Bond? And you have to kind of differentiate and kind of put some trust in players like that who aren't one-year wonders but only had that stellar production, that first-round production for one year. Now, for Bond, it's interesting because like Carter says, yeah, he does have very high football IQ. When you watch his tape, he's able to diagnose different blocking schemes, different run plays. He knows how to set the edge. But for the Ravens, are you picking Zach Bond or are you going to do uh, 180 and maybe pick the best player available who in this scenario it would be a Grant Delpit maybe a Cesar Ruiz you know somebody of that nature and not maybe reach for a guy like Zach Bond so I don't, I don't hate this pick at all but in my eyes it's kind of a discrepancy I have with a few prospects like Neville Gallimore for example do I think he's a late first round prospect or do I think he's an early second round prospect and for Baltimore if you if they think a guy's an early second rounder then maybe they can trade to pick 36, 38, 39, pick up an extra third or an extra fourth on the way, and then you can pick the guy. And of course, you're not going to have that fifth-year option, and that's very important for teams if you pick a guy in the first round. That's why the Ravens traded up for number 32 to pick Lamar Jackson. But for Zach Bond, I wouldn't hate the pick. It also wouldn't be my favorite pick in the world. So kind of a 50-50 pick there. In the second round, in my eyes, this is a beautiful pick. The Ravens selected pick 60, T. Higgins, the wide receiver out of Clemson, and a lot of receivers saw their draft stock go up during the combine. T. Higgins was not one of them. Denzel Mims, the wide receiver out of Baylor, in this mock draft was actually picked at pick number 30, shooting his value up from a third, fourth round prospect to a potential day one pick. For T. Higgins, he did not run, he did not test, so while these receivers were doing good things to get their draft stock up, Brandon Ayuk did well. One of the guys who didn't do well was Jalen Rager, but T. Higgins didn't even participate really, but his little write-up for T. Higgins is a player who makes his living winning in contested and above-the-rim situations. Higgins is a steal at this juncture. His large catch radius makes him the perfect complement to Hollywood Brown in Baltimore. And I agree. If the Ravens could snag T. Higgins at 60, it would be an absolute steal. A guy who was considered a first-round prospect just a few weeks ago was crazy that I was getting him a pick 60 in one of my other mock drafts, right? T. Higgins is a baller and would be an absolute steal. In his three years at Clemson, 2,448 yards, 27 touchdowns, also had a rushing touchdown on his only carry in 2019, and his only carry in college, actually one carry for 36 yards and that score. In 2018 for Clemson, averaged 15.9 yards per catch, 12 touchdowns while having 936 yards, and in 2019, it got even better. 
13 touchdowns, averaging 19.8 yards per catch and 1,167 yards. And T. Higgins, a guy I would absolutely love in a Ravens uniform. He is tall. He is 6'4", 215. He, and that, what Carter said is he can really win in those above-the-rim situations. The Ravens do need somebody who Lamar Jackson can just float it up there and someone can go up and get it. Miles Boykin can be that guy for Baltimore, but... The Ravens, I think, really want a young core. They want three guys who they can plug and play all over the field. You can put Hollywood Brown on the slot. You can put Hollywood Brown on the outside. You can put Miles Boykin on the outside. And then you can say, hey, if you get T. Higgins, you can put him in the slot or on the outside as well. A very dangerous trio for Baltimore if Miles Boykin turns on the Jets and has an improved year two. If T. Higgins left off where he left off at Clemson, the Ravens will have gotten an amazing value, an amazing steal. So hopefully for Baltimore... It will be T. Higgins at 60, maybe Brandon Ayuk. But in this receiver class, the Ravens have to go after somebody, some high-level receiver. But in this draft, there are so many receivers that they could get one in the second round, like a T. Higgins that in another draft class might have been a first-round prospect. Finally, at pick 92 for Baltimore, they select Amik Robertson, the cornerback out of Louisiana Tech. And this is a pick I don't think I understand. The write-up is a feisty nickel with Robertson lacks in height. He more than makes up for in skill. Fearless in his tackling and superb in his ball spills. The Louisiana Tech corner is terrific value here. And while I don't disagree with the terrific value, I just don't think it's terrific value for Baltimore. The Ravens do not need a cornerback. They are set at the position. Tavon Young is one of the best nickel cornerbacks in the game, coming back from his neck injury that cost him all of 2019. Marcus Peters on the outside. Marlon Humphrey on the outside. There's no room for Jimmy Smith on the defense right now. And for Anmeek Robertson, he would be a nickel player. He's a nickel cornerback. The Ravens don't need to have that there. Tavon Young is going to take up the majority of those snaps. And I think that the Ravens could draft a cornerback. I really like A.J. Green out of Oklahoma State in the seventh round. But in the seventh round is my point. In the third round, the Ravens should be looking at a position of need. Edge rusher, interior defensive lineman, interior offensive lineman, wide receiver, inside linebacker. The Ravens just don't need it. They could bring back Jimmy Smith at a healthy price for, for both sides. And I think for Brandon Carr, he could he's a cornerback by trade, but he can play some safety too. For the Ravens drafting a cornerback this high, I don't really see it. That's my opinion. Amik Robertson's a good player, but I just don't think that he fits Baltimore's needs at the moment. We're going to head to break now. When we get back, we're going to be talking about my mock draft getting into rounds one through three. So stay tuned for that and we will be right back. Welcome back to the second segment of this mock draft Monday Locked on Ravens episode. Kevin Ostriker still with you here. And as we just talked about one mock draft from the draft network, we are now going to talk about my mock draft that I did on the draft network. And this is one I was actually pretty happy with. Now, I was looking at Javon Kinlaw as my potential first round prospect here. I hadn't gone over him and I really like him as a prospect, but just got taken and there's nothing you can do about it. Sometimes teams will take guys. So I went with a different interior defensive lineman in the first round here, starting off with Ross Blacklock, the interior defensive lineman out of TCU. He's 6'4", 305 pounds. He's a big dude. And the first thing that you see when you look at Ross Blacklock is his power and his size, but also the motor that comes along with it. He has a lot of juice and he has that high motor. And it's 
every time I talk about Mock Draft Mondays, it seems like I just kind of nab guys who have that high motor. But it seems like more and more players, you know, just want it. They're hungry. And Ross Blacklock is no exception. He has really good hand placement, places his hands on offensive linemen in positions to win at the point of attack. The timing is great. The actual placement is great. And with that, he uses the leverage points to his advantage. He's able to get up under the pads of offensive linemen, rip, dip, whatever you need with your hands. It's quick. It's quick hand movements, quick, powerful. And that's what you want in a first round interior defensive line prospect who you want to get to the quarterback. He's very good with his swipes. He knows how to cross offensive linemen to confuse and he just swipes at them really well. He's able to chop. He's able to rip. I mean, all the intangibles that you want out of a defensive lineman. And plus, he has that pop. Yeah, sure, you can be good with your hands and, you know, you can dip and rip and swipe and whatever, but you have to have the power to actually make them work. It doesn't necessarily matter how quick you are if you can't run them off that point of attack. Blacklock does a great job of making sure offensive linemen are stunned by the amount of pop and power he has in those movements. He pushes the pocket, he's moving forward, and when he moves forward, let me say, it's hard to stop that movement. He has that momentum going, you can't stop it. It's insane to watch. Now, he has flexibility. It's not the best thing in the world, but he just has to be able to get to a point where he can use that flexibility well because it's not the most overwhelming flexibility. He gets it done with the power rather than the flexibility, but he still uses it to his advantage and he can change directions well. It's not like his flexibility is hindering him per se. It's just a part of his game that isn't the strongest anybody's ever seen. He also is slippery in the pocket. He gets away from offensive linemen. He's able to do a lot of things that some interior defensive linemen cannot do. It's what makes him really special. And he actually can serve in multiple alignments on the defense. And he has that upside to do so. Base, 3-4, 4-3, 3-tech, he can do a lot of different things. And that's really what I like about him. Now, with Blacklock, he's a little bit of a prospect. I talked about as good as hands are, but... He just needs to disengage a little bit better, just the heavy hands. You know, he has the power, but those hands can get a little heavy at times. Talked about his motor. He's able to go really well in the two gap. He's able to penetrate gaps really well. He's strong. If an offensive lineman ends up pulling, he's going to find his way onto the hip of that offensive lineman and use his mobility to shoot that gap. He's able to tackle very well. He actually is a pretty hard hitter for, for a 305-pound guy, and now 300-pound guys are going to tackle you, and it's going to hurt. But he is violent with it. He also, that high motor I talked about, he goes down the field. He will not quit on a play. If it's a screen play and he's behind it, he will run up 10, 20 yards down the field, make that tackle. Right, we've seen Brandon Williams sprint up the field and make some tackles on screen plays. Brandon Williams is sneaky athletic, but for Blacklock, he has that same type of athleticism and mobility. His first step is great. He is very light on his feet. Just does a lot of things that I like and would be a great fit in this Ravens defense. Now, he isn't a great processor. He has football IQ. It just needs a little work. He's a young guy. He's coming out of school. With the right coaching, Joe Cullen will coach him up. Don Martindale will coach him up. He, I think the football IQ, the processing, 
not an issue for me because the Ravens coaching staff, they'll do their thing. They'll make sure that he gets ready up to speed, whatever it may be. And I think that he can have an impact. I'll go as far as say maybe a Chris Jones-like impact on the Ravens defense. Like I, I really, really like for Baltimore in round one. For me with Blacklock, it's is he late round one or early round two? He could go in the late round one for me. I would not be mad with it. You know, if the Ravens do trade back and pick him in the early second, also, you know, that's value right there. So a guy who I think could be really good with the Baltimore Ravens in round two, one of my favorite receivers in this draft class. He was there. He had a very strong combine. There's no way he falls to 60. It's Brandon Ayuk out of Arizona State. Now we've talked about him on the show for multiple weeks, but I just can't get over how amazing of a talent he is. He's six feet, 201 pounds. He is just a gifted creator after the catch. He can stretch the defense vertically. He's a super big play threat. When he has the ball, he's so twitchy. He's so dynamic. He's so shifty. I mean, it almost reminds you of what Hollywood Brown can do. Now, Hollywood Brown is an insane athlete, and on that foot 70%, next year is going to be crazy. But if the Ravens can pair Brennan Ayuk with Hollywood Brown, oh my god. The offense will be so much better and it's hard to say this offense could get better based off of everything that happened last season for the Ravens in that Lamar Jackson-led offense. He finishes his touches with power. It's almost running back tight end-esque the way he uses power, gets fights for extra yardage. I mean, it's crazy. Plus, his route running. His route running is great. He can do a lot of impressive things on eight, even nine routes that I've seen. He can track the football. He uses his speed, but it's also hard to kind of process track with that speed, but he does a great job at it. He's also good in the return game. We've mentioned time and time again here on Locked On Ravens how they need a steady returner. Brandon Ayat could be that guy. We've talked about Donovan Peoples-Jones. We've talked about Devin Duvernay. All solid options, but I think Brandon Ayat could be a guy who the Ravens rely on in that kick return game for years to come if they can get their hands on him. Now for Brandon Ayuk, he is on the a little bit smaller side at six feet. So sometimes press coverage can be an issue for him. If a cornerback is pressing up onto him, he can sometimes struggle to disengage with that when they have a lot of physicality on the defensive side of the football. So that's my main con, I guess, for him. But the athleticism, the speed, the route running, he's able to play in the slot. You're, you can put him on the outside. It's about versatility for this Ravens team. And with Brandon Ayuk, I mean, we've gone into depth with him over and over and over again. He can do a lot of different things to track deep balls. He's able to make tough catches. He does not shy away from big moments. So maybe teams will counter him with press coverage. But if you counter him with press coverage, you're going to have to look somewhere else on the football field. And the Ravens have a lot of players who can catch the football and they can win in press coverage. They put them in heavy sets, put them in with the three tight ends, right? It's about stretching the field and making your mark sometimes without the ball in your hands. And Brandon Ayuk can do that just like Hollywood Brown did last year for Baltimore. So a guy who I think really could be an asset for them if put in the right situation. And I think John Harbaugh, Greg Roman, they'll have a ball with Brandon Ayuk if they do select him. Finally, in the third round at pick 92, I selected Jonathan Greenard. The edge rusher out of Florida, a guy who had a great 2019, but before transferring to Florida from Louisville in 2017, he had a good 2017 year as well. 19 and a half sacks in his career, had nine and a half at Louisville and 10 in his only season at Florida. He had 53 total tackles in 2019. 
He had 48 in 2017, seven sacks in 2017, two and a half in his first year at Louisville in 2016, but he did have to sit out that year, so he did not play in 2018 after transferring. But with Greenard, there's a lot to like. He is just a guy who, again, high motor. Not, not a lot to say about it anymore. I've talked about it so many times, but high motor. He is exceptional at setting the edge. One of the best edge setters in this draft class, and he uses his hands to do that. Pushes offensive linemen back, gets them in a position where that edge is completely set. And when you look at Greenard, he's not the most dynamic, you know, pop player you've ever seen, but he gets it done with the perseverance. He's able to bend on the edge. He's able to rush from an up or down position, and he can play some special teams as well. So a guy who can do a lot of things on the field. He also is good with his first step. He anticipates the snap very well, and he's off. Right when the ball is snapped, boom, Greenard is off. He has a very strong upper body to take on chips, to take on powerful offensive linemen. So you don't really see chips from running backs, chips from tight ends affecting him so much because he already has that momentum from his first step. He has very good length and he knows how to use that length. He's 6'4", he's 262 pounds. He's fast. He can process things very well. His football IQ, it's up there. He is able to have a lot of inside rush moves. That's where his strengths are. He's able to get under offensive linemen, get inside, use that gap, penetration. He does a lot of things very well. Now, he doesn't have a lot of flexibility. There's something to be desired with that, which isn't the worst thing in the world. I would take, you know, a guy who gives results over a guy who's super bendy and you can put all over the place. But for Greenard, you do want to see him win on the outside a bit more. I mentioned his inside pass rush moves are really the strength. For him, I think he's going to have to develop a few outside rush moves if he really wants to be able to counter offensive linemen because they're going to catch on eventually. No matter how strong they are, they'll play inside rush the entire game. So for Greenard, developing outside pass rush moves, but overall would be a very solid pick for Baltimore and a guy who you can get value with in the third round if he is still there. We are going to head to our final break now, but when we return, we are going to be getting into rounds four through seven or for Baltimore four through five. So stay tuned for that and we will be right back. Welcome back to the final segment of this Mock Draft Monday episode. Kevin Ostriker is still with you here and we just got into rounds one through three. But let's quickly run through four through five for the Ravens. The Ravens currently have two fourth round picks and one fifth round pick. Obviously, the draft network's mock draft does not have the seventh round pick that the Ravens got for Alex Lewis in the system yet. So just three picks to go over here. And with the first fourth round pick for Baltimore at 119, I selected a guy Spencer has talked about quite a bit on the show, a guy who I talked about last week. Akeem Davis Gaither, the linebacker for Mashpilation State. Davis Gaither is athletic. That's the first thing that jumps out to me. And that athleticism gives him a lot of different abilities to play a lot of different positions on a defense. He can stack up as a backer. He can go and play outside linebacker. He can play wide receivers in coverage. He can walk over, play slot. He can go in the box. He's a little undersized for edge standards. He's 6'2", 219 pounds. But even so, he's pretty physical, and he really just wants contact. He's a contact-seeking linebacker. He plays the run very well. He has good length. His agility is there. He's a guy that really checks a lot of boxes for Baltimore, and with the Ravens selecting Jonathan Greenard in the third round, him and Davis Gaither, I think, would make a heck of a pairing there on the edge, plus with Davis Gaither's versatility. I mean, how can you not like it? 
I mentioned he can cover. He can go out, play running backs and tight ends. I mentioned last week, the Ravens' weakness on defense, or at least one of them, is the ability to cover running backs out of the backfield and tight ends. You know, you have to play Travis Kelsey every year from now on, it looks like, or at least almost every year. The Ravens and the Chiefs seem to be like they're going to be in first place in their respective divisions. That means that the Ravens and the Chiefs will be matching up every year. Travis Kelsey is a problem. He has been a problem for years. He will continue to be a problem. To have a player like Davis Gaither on your team who can go out and his sole purpose could be the Travis Kelsey stopper or the Zach Ertz stopper. I mean, next year the Ravens have to play the NFC East, so Zach Ertz will be there. Evan Ingram. A lot of good tight ends are in this league, and the Ravens happen to have three of them, so thank God for that. But for Baltimore, they need a guy who can do that. Davis Gaither is that guy. He has very good range. He's able to go sideline to sideline. He can play well linebacker too. So that might be what his skill set is for. But I mean, for Davis Gaither, just adding a little bit of muscle. If he adds 10, 20 pounds of muscle, that could go a long way in helping Davis Gaither come in on the edge or you know, be a well linebacker. He is a little undersized at the moment. That's really the the biggest thing I have with him. He's not the best block shedder, so that's really the only the only real concern I have outside of you know him beefing up a bit. But he is able to good, do things in coverage. He is able to have a lot of lateral mobility based off of his flexibility and his length. He's very tough. Once he gets to the football, he is a finisher as a tackler, something the Ravens really value. He can shoot gaps. His feet are really really good. Really effortless when you watch his feet. I mean, a guy who could be a third-round prospect at this point, but the Ravens, I snag him here in the fourth for them, so that's a little bit of a value pick. With the Ravens' second fourth-round pick, I take Shane Lemieux, the offensive lineman from Oregon, someone who I've seen mocked to the Ravens in quite a bit of drafts, and you know, for this one, I just had to take him, and when I watched his tape... He's able to process things very well. He has a high football IQ. He is very powerful. Now, with that power, I mean, he is very powerful. Well, absolutely stonewall defenders, but with his flexibility, his mobility, that's where it's to be desired. You're getting a very powerful guard. He's not very balanced. He's very stiff with his hips, but I mean, he'll steamroll. He'll steamroll anybody in his path. He is tough and... I mean, he sometimes lacks extension on his stunts, on his hand movements, but with Lemieux, he probably won't be tasked with starting right away. I mean, let's say Marshall Yonda does retire. It'll be probably Ben Powers and Lemieux battling it out, and maybe Lemieux does need a year to kind of get it under his belt, just like Ben Powers did. I believe the Ravens thought that Powers was a year away, so it makes sense if the Ravens did the same thing with Lemieux. He's very good at combo blocks. He can drive very well. He can get to that second level. And when he when he's bull rushed that pad level, it's right where it needs to be. But I think that he just needs to get a little better as a finisher. I mentioned, you know, his mobility isn't the best thing in the world, but you know, a little stiff in the hips. But with the Mew, you know, in the fourth round, you're getting value because you know, the Ravens don't necessarily absolutely terribly need an interior offensive lineman unless Marshall Yonder retires. If that's the case, then yeah, you know, maybe you're taking a Tyler B dish out of Wisconsin or a Cesar Ruiz out of Michigan, you know, one of those guys. But for now, Marshall Yonda's still in a Ravens uniform. So for the Ravens, if they want to draft the heir apparent and give him a year, they could do it with the mute. Finally, with the Ravens' fifth round pick, it's a guy I've talked about, I feel like, almost every week. So we'll keep it short with him. Shaq Quarterman, the linebacker from Miami, just seems like such a value every time. He's so undervalued, so sharp with his football IQ. He is going to knock you out when he tackles you. Very physical. He has a lot of power. His angle with tackles is 
crazy. He is efficient when he gets to the football. He's able to shed blocks. He's able to be just a guy who is a leader, a physical leader, an emotional leader. I just, I love everything about Shaq Quarterman. I really hope he falls to the Ravens in some way, shape, or form. The Ravens can snag him. He's not very dynamic with his mobility, but I'm not concerned with that because he is so physical. He is so tough, but he can press into gaps when he needs to be. So while he's not super mobile, you know, going laterally, it doesn't hinder his game at all. He, you know, the coverage isn't there for him, but that's where if you pick an Akeem Davis Gaither, the skill sets kind of match up with each other. One can go out in coverage and buzz a little undersized. The other one can shed blocks and knock someone out. So the Ravens have to take into account skill sets. You don't want to draft two linebackers that maybe have the same skill set. So you're getting two with both linebackers, but none with either. So that's something the Ravens have to balance out. But overall, this is one of my favorite mock drafts that I did. Hopefully it falls some way, shape, or form like this. And if it does, the Ravens are going to be in good shape for next year. That's all I have for you today. When we get back tomorrow, Spencer Schultz will be joining me on the show to talk more Ravens football. So stay tuned for that, and I will see you tomorrow.